You're listening to The Marriage Project Podcast, episode number 18. The Marriage Project is a community organization that exists to educate a future generation while encouraging and inspiring hope for this one through the portrait of God's design for marriage. It is a collective of stories from couples spanning across the nation and globe to share with you the hope they have found in Jesus. This is a one-stop shop to hear how God has impacted each life here and to shine light and shed light on what our part is in his plan. Hey listeners, you guys have made it. It is episode 18, time for June. I was just thinking about how it's been a year and a half that this podcast has been going and I'm so grateful for every single person and couple who has willingly said yes to interviewing. It's really not the easiest thing, but with God, all things are possible can be a bit nerve-wracking to sit down and share your heart and try to have it come across a certain way and say the right things and all of that. And so I'm just so thankful for everyone who has opened up to share with us, first of all. And second of all, grateful that you're here if you're listening from wherever you're listening. I hope this, well, I guess I can't say finds you well because what is well right now, so much is going on in the world. I just really feel that... God is really trying to get our attention and really wants to wake us up and is weeping over the things which are taking place in our nation and across the globe right now and it's not going past his eye and he is hearing the prayers of the humble and those who are seeking him to heal our land and who are seeking him when seeking an answer to these frustrations that may be being felt across um just our country but I wanted to just acknowledge everybody and where you might be and maybe you're hearing this from a different time maybe it will stand the test of time and you will be listening 10 years down the road and have no idea what I'm talking about but you can just google or whatever the search is then and see what the year 2020 was like um what it held and how uncertain it felt now. And so I share this because I know that's the heart of Aviana and Rick Valadez who are on this month's podcast. I can't say enough about them. They have been such a support for me in different seasons of my life. Aviana is a sweet friend I met through Bible study and Rick is her husband who has always been so gracious. When I've met with the two of them, they've prayed for me. They were some of the biggest prayer supporters when and before I left for South Africa last year and have been following along with the podcast. And I'm so excited that they finally are on it and you guys get to hear their hearts, their mission, what God has rescued them from, delivered them from, and what he's called them to, and just their hearts for the gospel. It's very unique, um, but not so unique. This is the call of every Christian. We are to share the gospel. We are to share our faith in Jesus Christ so that more can come home, that more can be saved. And so that should be the cry of our heart. That should be the prayer in our heart that we would be emboldened and empowered to go out by his Holy Spirit to bring more people into the kingdom. Aviana and I had a conversation recently about the harvest is ready, but the laborers are few. May we just repent and confess before the Lord saying, we haven't been doing our part. There are people right to be saved and that we are neglecting to go out and bring them in and I commend you if you are one of those soldiers out there who are on the mission field or whose life is dedicated to that, to ministry, full-time ministry, whatever that looks like, but not to neglect that ministry starts in the home and that can be your first mission field to share your faith. If you have found new life in Jesus, you can share it with those in your household, those in your family and Look out from there, and God will show you who he wants you to share this good news of Jesus Christ with, the good news that he has come to purchase our freedom, to pay our debt when we could not, that we are all sinners. No one is better than another. We are all plagued by this sin nature. We all need forgiveness. We all need a savior. We are all one in Christ. We are covered by one blood and Jesus is here. He is here to heal and he is here to bind up the broken and heal wounds. And so I pray that as you listen, something touches your heart 
and that if you've never prayed a prayer to ask Jesus into your heart, that you would do that. Simply ask him to come into your heart. Tell him you are sorry for your sins. Ask him for forgiveness. Repent and want to turn truly from that lifestyle. He can completely change your life. And he is the God of second chances, third chances. He is always there. Um, ready to save anyone who's ready to receive him. So I hope this encourages you. Please share it with anyone you may feel needs this word um, as you listen. And let me now introduce to you Rick and Aviana, Avi Valadez. Hello, I'm Rick Valadez. And I'm Avi Valadez. We're humbled to share the work God has done in each of our lives and is doing together through our marriage. Husband, you know the rule. You go first. What's your testimony? Part one. My testimony is really, a, I lived a, in a non-Christian home. And uh, my late teens, probably between 15 and 19, my life started to change. I started venturing out and partying and drinking. Uh, pornography was introduced. I was having sex out of marriage. I was just going in a very reckless lifestyle. I kept doing this over and over, yearly or every year, and it just seemed that it was getting boring. It was doing the same things over and over again. I was uh, searching for meaning for life, and so I didn't want to keep doing what I was doing because it wasn't fulfilling me anymore. And so uh, I was dating this girl. Uh, she invited me to church, and so I wanted to appease her, and... I ended up going, and, and uh, when I walked into the church, I heard uh, the message. I heard the preacher talk about God. I heard him talk about Jesus. heard him talk about love, hope, forgiveness, uh, sins. And, and what really resonated with me was a chance to start over. That really got my attention, and so... I figured, what do I have to do to start over? And so the preacher said, you know, you got to just confess your sins and ask God to come into your heart uh, by a simple prayer. And so it seemed simple enough to me at the time. And, and uh, I did it and said, I got nothing to lose. And so I did it. But nothing really happened. There wasn't any real changes in my life. I kept doing what I did before. And so uh, as the years went by, I ended up uh, marrying this this lady and that I was dating. And so I lived up and down. I, I had a job. I became a family man. And, you know, I went to church often and I even got involved in church. But my walk with the Lord wasn't, I don't think I was saved. Uh, I had said that prayer, but looking back now, I don't think I was uh, anyway, I ran into some high school friends and the unthinkable happened. I compromised and I started to gamble again. I started partying. I started drinking again. And this is just something that I that I used to do before with, with my wife then. So I, I did it and I got caught up in it again. And at the age of 30, I got a wake-up call. What I thought would never happen to me happened. And I found out that my wife then was having an affair and so I had two choices. Uh, either I do the things that I knew how to do before, or I do the things the way that the Bible says to do them. And uh, I knew that if there was anybody that can save my marriage, it was God. I went through it, and this was a time in my life that really had me asking questions about God. And, you know, was He real? Was He not? I was broken. I was broken, completely broken. It was a really dark time in my life. And it was a time also that the Lord always provided a person that was there to either pray with me or to guide me, give me some exhortation about the word. This is a time when I started drawing nearer and nearer to God. Unfortunately, uh, about three years into this affair, I couldn't take it any longer. Ended up getting served divorce papers. My marriage ended and uh, I was devastated. I had my kids taken away, my house, I lost my house, just lost everything. I had to move back in with my parents. But I knew that God had a plan for me and that he was going to do something with, with 
you know, my commitment to him. And, and so I, I really searched the, the scriptures. I went to as many Bible studies as I possibly could. You know, my life was starting to change. And, and I started seeing that the word of God was really bringing true comfort in me. And one verse that really helped me a lot was in Job. And it was in uh, chapter 23, verse 10. And it says that he knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. A friend of mine told me that it was gonna, I was being refined and, and uh, this refinement, I was gonna come out as gold. And so that, that really continued to encourage me. And, and so I kept the course and the rebuilding process just began and, and my just relationship with God started getting deeper and deeper and just God taking away things that I knew were bad for me, just replaced them with things that have just transformed my life. Wife, uh, what's your testimony? My testimony is similar. I was raised in a Catholic home, and on Sundays I would go to church with my mom and my sister. My dad didn't go, which always raised a question in my mind. I thought I was a good enough person. Ironically, in 2002, when I was 14, my dad started reading the Bible going to church and he shared the gospel with me because one of his co-workers had shared with him and so I prayed the sinner's prayer but my life was unchanged at that point it was just head knowledge and it wasn't until later down the road that I really learned the difference in 2006 when I was 18 I moved out and I started attending UCR and then two years after that, I got into a relationship with an agnostic person and I really started to compromise. I moved in with this person and was having sex outside of marriage, but recalling that I thought that I was a Christian, so it was concerning that I would do these things when as a Christian I had made a, a commitment to remain pure until I was married. But I was living a Sunday lifestyle and Monday through Saturday lifestyle, just checking off lists and doing enough good or enough of what the Bible had to share about how to live a life. And then three years after I got into that relationship in 2011, I got my second degree from Cal State San Bernardino and I got a really well-paying job for the city of San Bernardino and... In short, I was living for myself and I got everything I wanted. And shortly, a year later, that's when my storm really began and uh, my boyfriend broke up with me. It was also around the time when I was having convictions from the Holy Spirit. I started reading my Bible more. I started going to church and it didn't feel comfortable anymore to uh, just freely indulge in gratifying my flesh. And we started having more arguments. So we broke up and I was broken. I felt empty. But this was also the time that I cried out to God. I truly began to read God's word every day. I started attending church consistently on Wednesdays and Sundays. I signed up for my very first women's Bible study and I also started to serve with children's ministry. And I couldn't tell you the exact date, but it was definitely between the spring of 2012 and the spring of 2013 that I truly surrendered my life to Christ and my life went from knowing facts to believing and life changes because my actions were changing, my thoughts were changing, my desires were changing and uh, the one way that I knew this was true is because in the spring of 2013, and this date I know, it was March 17th, my ex-boyfriend came around again and he was asking to get back into the relationship and at this point in my very young and not so weak faith 
thankfully I was able to resist and the Lord gave me the strength to affirm that I was only going to get into a relationship with a man that loved God. The Lord allowed me to get through that season, thankfully. And a year after that, in May 2014, I met my husband and two sons. And then a year after that, we were married. We'll talk more about that in a bit. But for me, I was delivered from living solely for myself, from compromise, lies, and the guilt from having broken so many of God's commandments. So I truly am and feel forgiven, and that is it for my testimony. Moving into part two. Husband, what's our marriage story? We met uh, while serving in children's ministry on Wednesday evenings. One day during worship, I noticed her. A few Wednesdays after, a third grade class needed help and I was doing fourth grade class, but third grade needed help. So I was asked to assist the third grade class. And that was uh, the Wednesday that we exchanged uh, names, uh, occupations, so forth and so forth. So uh, that's when we met. And I said we, could, we should uh, get coffee sometime. But uh, she walked away from me <laughs> and uh, after a couple of weeks of prayer and uh, rethinking things, I have the courage to ask her again. So the interesting part of the story here is that it was not good timing and the delivery was... Well, let me just explain what happened. So at this point, he and I had only had one conversation and I did not know that he had two sons, which isn't an issue, but just go with me here. So I was in my classroom and the teacher asked me to take Zachary who's one of Rick's sons, and I didn't know that. So she asked me to take Zachary to her dad's classroom. So I walked down the hallway, and lo and behold, I see Rick seated at the desk with a huge smile on his face, like waving. And in my mind, I was very confused, and I had assumed, okay, he's married, and I was still very much scared guard and wounded from my last relationship that I didn't have trust for men, even if they were in the church. So I, I assumed that he was married. I quickly left, turned around, and then the coordinator was also in the hallway and he asked if I had checked the tags for Zachary and his dad. It's just uh, one of the systems they do. And so I started turning around and then at this point, Rick's in the hallway with Zachary and now his other son, Jacob, is also in the hallway. So it's a really fun time. I'm flustered, overwhelmed. I don't know what's going on. And then in the midst of this, Rick asks me that second time for coffee. And he asked me for my number. Other than the prompting of the Holy Spirit, I don't know why I gave it to him. So I did. And shortly after, we went on our first date. It was May 26, 2014. And we went to Ancho's. And the very first thing I asked him was, are you married? I didn't feel comfortable asking him via text or via phone. And we had already had plans to go out. So he said no. And he shared his testimony. I shared mine. And we both shared that we were dating for the intention to get married, that we weren't bored or trying to pass time or other fill-in-the-blank options, but that we wanted to date with purpose and to honor the Lord with our dating and marriage relationship. After that, we headed over to Tyler Mall, walked around, and had also very great conversation. Then... As we left, I told him that he could call me Avi because he only knew me as Aviana, which is my full name. And so it was just kind of neat. Very quickly, intimately, intimately is the wrong word, but personally, we just, it, it was a good, I don't even know how to say it, but I felt close enough or that I could trust him, comfortable, that's the word, I felt comfortable enough that he could call me Avi, which was personal, and family and friends that I loved and were near and dear call me Avi, versus people who called me Aviana were 
coworkers or people that didn't really know me very well. That went very well, and we had a second date. And the second date was at another restaurant, and, you know, I had never Christian dated before, but I wanted to make sure I did it right. But before we even had the second date, what did you do? We were texting or we were having a conversation over the phone, and, and it was just... It was awkward, and I, I felt like it was going downhill fast. And, and uh, I had been in prayer also. I wanted to make sure I wasn't just stringing her along. And, you know, I, I had uh, pure motives, and I wanted to marry her, and I wanted to court her. But, you know, how do you say that to a person so soon? Through lots of prayer and, and just asking the Holy Spirit to lead me and guide me in one of those frustrating days at work. I thought maybe, maybe she's not the one. And so, because uh, I had called her and she wasn't returning my call. And I was like, maybe she just doesn't want anything to do with me anymore. So uh, I said, Lord, I'm going to erase her number and just forget it. I'm sorry if I jumped the gun. And But if you, if she calls me, then, then, and I know it's from you. You know, it was one of those things where you ask the Lord to uh, wet the fleece uh, like Gideon and, and, you know, asking for confirmation. But... <laughs> Uh, so I did that, and then lo and behold, like, I don't know, not too much longer later that same day, she ends up calling, and she wanted to know why I hadn't called, and, <laughs> and so I think I kind of shared with her, and, and from then on, it, it was, it started progressing into a, a courtship. And then um, September of 2014, we went on, I would say, our first date that we included the boys and it was so special and there are literally no words to express how I felt with the boys and Rick and from that day it was just so cohesive and united and just very very beautiful you know it didn't matter that they were already you know nine and twelve the lord was so gracious just from that first day it was a uh, jacob's birthday party and so we had a great time and then in october i said i love you first mm -hmm. and that was a funny situation uh which maybe we can talk about another time and in november we were engaged and then then we were married may 23rd 2015 so we just celebrated our fifth wedding anniversary we were an instant family of four i definitely love the boys and see them as my own i always refer to them as my boys and i think one of the sweetest compliments someone can give me is when I talk about them and I say a mention about their mom or something, they say, what? They're not yours? And I think that's the sweetest encouragement and blessing, uh, you know, that people necessarily on the outside can't tell uh, a distinction because God has done a great work at making the four of us one. And my highest honor in, in having the boys in my life is being their spiritual mom. Husband, what is one vulnerable area in our marriage? Well, it's not easy. It's it's a little bit hard to talk about, talking about divorce. It was something that I uh, never wanted for myself, but it was something that happened. Just going through the ramifications of what happens with divorce is not pretty. And one of the things that was hardest for myself was uh, losing the boys at a young age. I think it's 70 to 30 percent is what the court order specified. But uh, I had to learn how to give them up early. You know, I had, to, I had to continue to trust the Lord. And so I gave them up and that was hard for me to do. But our relationship was changing in my new marriage. It was, it was different. I, the Lord started changing my heart and, and my uh, emotions and just learning how to raise the boys in, in a different way, in a godly environment, and not just telling them, but living it and allowing them to see it. Uh, another thing, co-parenting between two households, that's also not, not pretty. Uh, I like to phrase, uh, phrase it as an intense fellowship with my wife. <laughs> uh, we just, you know, we try not to argue or have arguments in front of the boys. With the boys' mom, we try to live at peace as much as we possibly can. You know, try not to project past hurts or wounds that I have 
with my wife now. And prayer is a big part of our lives. I think that's something that began when we were courting. So I'm thankful for prayer. And also guards us from rejecting the lies from the enemy. We had to go through some marriage counseling at first and at our church. You know, we didn't have anything that was too serious, but we definitely... As my wife said earlier, it was a blended family, and so just learning how to navigate through that, uh, we just needed help, and so I'm, I'm really thankful for our church and walking us through some of the things that, that we were having issues with. Parts of our marriage with testing, I would say, is just going to court. We went several times during our marriage just to get uh, to try to level off the custody and the child support. And that was that happened early on, the first three years of our marriage. But I would add that it's definitely something that, to the point that you were talking about earlier, about learning to surrender them to the Lord, is that as much as we thought it made more sense for it to be equal so we would be able to have more of an influence on them, the Lord made it clear that he did not want that but he was still blessing and allowing fruit to grow with the time that we did have with them. And then uh, finances, uh, you know, it was it was hard because I had to support two households and my wife was unemployed three times during our marriage, or early on in marriage. And so, but the Lord provided, he was faithful and he always gave us just enough. I was grateful for that. Our dependence on the Lord just continued to grow. Definitely having a blended family has been unique to our marriage for sure. With the custody, with 70-30%, the consistency obviously is not equal. So the boys live two very distinct lives and rhythms that, you know, get disrupted every 30% of the time. So lots of patience, lots of grace, and uh, the absolute importance for my husband and I to be united and to be at peace with one another when they come home because it's already just an uncomfortable, I can't even express just this environment or just, it's it's not the way that God designed marriage to be. God says that he hates divorce and, you know, as my husband mentioned earlier, it does have ramifications. Uh, God is so gracious to my husband and I to make sure that we put our marriage first and then our children second. And then also another thing that's a little bit different is that in the days that we do not have the boys, we do FaceTime them uh, most evenings. And uh, that's been not something that obviously is preferred, but it's allowed just the consistency and allowing us to pray with them every day. And then just a couple of other points is, uh, you know, given that we have a legal guideline in place. We're not allowed to physically discipline our children and uh, we're definitely proponents of God's word for all things including discipline and even God says that he disciplines those whom he loves so we've had to get creative and we've also had to entrust God to be the one to discipline them in ways that we cannot. And the Lord has also been very gracious. One definitely challenge that uh, came up with the going back and forth from the two different houses is lying. Uh, the Lord was so gracious, as I was saying, to give discernment, to be able to see into things or for comments to be made or for other parents to say things. And so, um, you know, God, God was so good at, at giving us what we needed and when we needed. And another very important thing was just the consistency of us pointing to God's word because while, yes, they're going from house to house, just reminding them that God never changes and his word never changes. And so we could always point to that for consistency that, they lacked and you know everybody lacks that stability talks about the house that's built on the sand or the house that's built on the rock the rock we know is Christ and you know talks about when the storms come the house that's built on Christ 
stands and the house that's built on the sand will fall. And then lastly, ha another thing, that a practical thing, I don't know any parents out there that are listening, is uh, when we were doing marriage counseling, our pastor recommended because especially because of the two different households to clearly define what the rules and expectations were in our home that way there's no question or confusion if we ask them you know why aren't you doing your chores say oh I didn't know I had to do that and so we made them together I think there's 10 of them and um, we went through them we all signed them and we're all held uh, responsible to these uh, rules for our home, and uh, it's been actually very helpful. Part four, what is the ministry God has led us to? Wife, would you go first? So in towards the end of 2017, beginning of 2018, I really began to think and pray about doing full-time ministry. I don't know what that looked like or what that meant, but just a stirring in my heart. And then in February of 2018, my husband, uh, the boys and I began attending what's called SWAT. And it was a youth evangelism ministry at our old church. The irony of the question is, you know, what, what ministry did God lead you to? And we had initially taken just the boys because our older son, Jacob, was taking advantage a little bit, testing the the boundaries between the going back and forth. And, and it really took advantage of a situation and we were not happy about it. I was actually very concerned and met with the youth pastor, talked to him about it and he said, bring the boys to me on Friday nights and we'll tag team your kids. And so I was so grateful for him and still am so grateful for him. When we dropped him off and then we picked him up, one of uh, the other persons who was leading it asked my husband and I to go. And so other than our age, we couldn't find any excuses not to go. So we went the next week and the way that it works is they pair up or they group up men with men and women with women. And then we all caravaned over to the Tyler Mall. And then from there we disperse throughout the mall and we pray for opportunities to preach the full gospel to people. And so typically we would start conversations by asking a main question like, if you were to die today, where do you think you would go? And so from that, we always try to have them rethink. So if they said, I think I'm going to go to heaven because I'm a good person, then we would come back and say something like, well, how do you know you've been good enough? Or who decides that you've been good enough? And whose standard do you use? And so really great conversations and opportunities to just listen and hear where people are coming from. From there, you share the gospel with them and say, you know, that we're all guilty and that Jesus sent his son because there's no way we could ever live a good enough life. And if you put your faith and trust in him, you'll go to heaven when you die. And he wants to have a relationship with you today, not just for when you die. And so as we really began attending that ministry, our faith grew very, very deep. And our love for studying and obeying God's word really was fanned. And I would say for me and Jacob the most, we learned that we have the gift for evangelism. So that was it was amazing. And then from there, in June of 2018, one of the times when I was unemployed in our marriage, the four of us were invited to go uh, with the SWAT team to Dallas for an evangelism outreach. And it was going to cost uh, quite a bit of money. And we did not have the resources. But the confirmation is that brothers and sisters in the church were very gracious and generous and uh, it took humility on our part to ask different brothers and sisters and you know the Lord put it on the hearts of the right people at the right time and every penny was covered and even to the further of his glory he even provided extra so we were able to give some money for another two students 
to be able to go on their trip. So that was such a beautiful testimony of God's provision and confirmation of our calling. He also did the same for Rick and I again and the boys uh, in August later that year, a couple months, for a trip to Anaheim, also with the SWAT team on evangelism trip. And then Rick and I went to Las Vegas in October where we went for the same thing just to share the gospel with people. And it was on that trip that Rick shared with me that he was also beginning to have, or I don't know if it was, was it that you were beginning to have or that you were affirmed in your calling also for full-time ministry? Yeah, I, I can't describe the, <laughs> the phrase to say other than I was really enjoying, not just enjoying, but it, it really brought fulfillment into my life just to start talking with people about eternal things and sharing the gospel and seeing people's lives transform like right before our eyes just the way they receive the word of god that, that was eye-opening so many stories anyway in 2019 i started to question some of the church uh and the roles and and uh and so i started like what what is the church and... yes 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 thank you and so i started uh, you know doing i wanted to grow and I wanted to be discipled, but again, uh, you know, I, I couldn't pinpoint one person or the, I was praying for a person, but uh, I started going, you know, online myself and just watching some leadership videos and podcasts and just getting more and more of God's word because I, I, I took God's word seriously and I wanted to exposit it clearly and efficiently and and you know I wanted to learn and then also last summer we also opened up our home for the first time for a home bible group and so it was interesting we had some guidelines of you know pretty much just discussion questions over what the pastor talked about on Sunday, but we really wanted to have a Bible study, and so that's what we did. We had a Bible study. We had about five couples throughout that summer and even after God really began to stir a heart for using the home as a place of ministry and the table over meals and conversation, and when people are, say, less guarded and, and more comfortable and feel safer to really talk about where they are, how they're doing spiritually, what they're struggling with, and sharing with one another honestly and laughing or crying. Yeah, it was, um, you know, more of, of living that life, not just learning and, and reading the Bible, but doing life together. You know, my, my, my wife mentioned the, the one another's, you know, to love one another, exhort one another, you know, all the one another's. <laughs> so we were learning as we were going, but our hearts just were just being this yearning and, and for continuing to, to push more and push more and to, to test God more. Not to test God, but like to continuing trust to trust him. God uh, and more because we wanted more. And, and so we couldn't get enough. Our, our oldest son, Jacob, was getting... Uh, he, he was getting ready to, to graduate from high school. And so my wife and I had been to Europe before. And specifically, we went to Italy. And there's just something about Italy that <laughs> really caught our attention when we went. You know, we wanted to ha have the boys experience that. And so we wanted to plan that out. But we didn't just want it to be just a, a trip. Because all these trips that we were doing beforehand, like the Dallas trip and the Anaheim, and just the Lord was just moving our heart in a, in a special way. And so we, we thought about, hey, let's do a short-term missions trip. And so that kind of began my research and, and prayer and just reaching out to different mission agencies and just to see where, where if God would open a door and so uh, I was able to connect with a local church in Italy. 
It was a home church, and so we, we just really had a great conversation. It was uh, through Skype that we did it, and just we shared our heart with them, or the, what the Lord was doing for us, and what the Lord was doing for them. And so we kind of just asked a bunch of questions, but this one question really just continued to uh, allow our hearts to continue to yearn for this, and, and the conclusion was this, was that um, they needed uh, long-term missionaries. And at this point, I was like, whoa, okay, this was just <laughs> not going to be a short-term thing. And so that just kind of started mm-hmm. uh, to shape, shape our, our prayer life differently and, and looking at this in a whole different view. So this was also around the time. <laughs> God's timing is just perfect, right? But it's not always perfect in our perspective. So it was the fall of last year when, like my husband mentioned, we were really just taking a step back and really trying to understand what the church is and what our role is within the body. We also began to pray about switching home churches. And uh, my grandmother passed away on Thanksgiving and then... I didn't have a job anymore come December, so it was definitely a time of uncertainty and I've described it to others when they ask, you know, about the season and it just felt like everything that I touched was crumbling and that just everything that I touched would fall apart in my hands and so there was lots of discouragement and so didn't really know if we would be going and so in our in my perspective I'm not can't even say our but on the flip side God kept on opening up doors and I remember one day when my husband said well I just booked our flights and I looked at him like oh my goodness we don't even know where we're gonna stay <laughs> and then we reached out to the missions agency and then we reached out to the uh, local churches and they're like absolutely you can stay with us anytime that you want and so <laughs> the Lord was just definitely showing his sense of humor at this time and the agency suggested that instead of just going to Italy that we would go to Spain also since we're both fluent in Spanish and so while originally we were searching for the summertime which would have been very soon um, we ended up looking into January, and so we were a little bit bummed because we really did want to take the boys over the summer. And so fast forwarding, now we see that God's timing was perfect because we wouldn't have been able to have gone this summer. It probably would have been. My wife mentioned that I had just purchased the airfare tickets, but yeah, I mean, missionary... You know, I never really thought about that, and I never <laughs> never crossed my mind. You know, again, looking for confirmation, I think my wife mentioned we were trying to raise the funds to go, and, and uh, I think three days before we were set to go, <laughs> we were short. We were short a lot. More we were than, short, like, more, more than, than three-fourths. Yeah. Yeah, and so I was a little discouraged, and I didn't know. I was like, man, did I make a mistake? And I was out of work at this time. It was during Christmas. Anyway, and so um, (laughs) I get this phone call from a brother from our old church. He wanted to know what was going on and what God was doing in my life. And so I just shared with him what was going on, and I was transparent with him. And he said, well, you know, the Lord has been... uh, We want to help. And he said, how much do you need? And I, and I, I was... I don't know if it was pride or... I just told them, you know, whatever the Lord puts on your heart. They came over one night. It was late and... They uh, have five little ones. They have five little ones. Anyway, (laughs) so, um, you know, we we have great conversation. He comes by, gives me this envelope. And as he's handing it to me, it's fat envelope. And he tells me, you know, don't open it now. Wait till we leave. No, he said, you can open it now or you can wait till we leave. And so my husband wanted to wait and then... So, uh, you know, I was late um, and, and I didn't think it was going to be that much. And so I just wanted to go to bed afterwards. But my wife was persistent to open the envelope. <laughs> and I was like, okay, let's open the envelope. And as she opened the envelope, oh man, I, I didn't know what to say or what to think. But she 
the bunch of hundred dollar bills <laughs> uh, that were laid out, and and we counted them, and when we counted them, it was the exact amount, almost the exact amount. No, what was it? Go ahead. It was. A little bit under what we still needed because then on the day that we left, Mm -hmm. we received three more donations, one of which was from a lady we had just met that week at a Christmas luncheon, just by sharing our story with her. Right. All that to say is that that confirmation for us was, I was so thankful. In going and even before we left, that the Lord was unifying both Rick and I in our calling and also showing that he would provide and that he would equip and enable. He would tell us when, he would tell us where, he would tell us how. And so since we've been back, we continue to be praying. We continue to be researching different missions, agencies, and just different ministries and opportunities that we have now. Our heart is really, we really believe that we will be full-time missionaries in 2023. That's when both of our boys will be 18 plus and uh, we'll go wherever the Lord calls us. And if he calls us sooner, we're happy to go. But if he calls us later, we're we're happy to go then also. Yeah, um, well, other than... We are preparing ourselves, you know, like I said, I don't have a, a seminary background. And so uh, the church that we're at now, it's all God's timing, as my wife said. Uh, they've taken us under their wing and have just been helping us, teaching us, guiding us. I'm thankful. I'm excited because I'm learning different things. I'm learning, growing deeper in, in the Lord and and so there's lots of things that go with preparation, with missions. That I didn't think it was hmm. uh, that much, but it is. It's a very serious calling, and, and I'm looking at it that way now. And Well, I have been, but it's more and more uh, I'm realizing, yeah, you you got to put in the work and be prepared for what's out there. The last thing that I would add is one of the most beautiful experiences and lessons from our trip that we got to take in January is how important hospitality is. And in Italy and Spain, you know, it looks different in every home, but I was so encouraged seeing the women and the men and the children, the different roles that they take. And that's really something that we were already developing last year, but it was something that really was very much strengthened and especially with closures and the quarantine right now utilizing our home as a place of ministry has been such a privilege and opportunity on easter we were so thankful two of our neighbors that hadn't been to church in several years joined for a live stream service and we had an amazing conversation over lunch, and just talking about the gospel and how Jesus is the only way. And then another gentleman came from our church, and it was so special and unique. And it was an opportunity that the Lord provided in our home to really share the gospel and to minister uh, to our neighbors in a practical way and especially in a spiritual way. So we're very, very grateful for that lesson that we will be putting into practice until we go back and really hoping to develop even further and to allow our home to just be that sanctuary and that safe place where people know that when they come here, they will be fed, not just a a meal, but they'll be fed the word of God. They'll be prayed with, prayed over, and, uh, you know, even provided tangibly with other needs. So we're, we're very grateful for that very big lesson and just the encouragement and very clear direction from a youth evangelism ministry to now presently full-time mission missions in Western Europe. Yes. All right, part five, wife. May you please share your convictions on the topic of marriage and the gospel? Yes. 
For marriage, I have to share a story. And it goes to after my breakup in 2002, a pastor shared with me a verse that I so needed to receive. And it was, every good and perfect gift is from God. James 1.17 talks about how there's no shadow or shifting or variation in him. And then he had a follow-up, which is not in the book of James, but I understood the implication. He said, every gift that is not good and perfect, you know where those come from. And that was definitely the word that I needed to receive. And so he pretty much challenged me to not settle and to not compromise, even with friendships. I I really took that to heart. And so to rewind quite a bit, I remember also back in the ninth grade, my health teacher had all of the students put together of the list of qualities we wanted in a future spouse. So I kept mine, obviously. And uh, then fast forwarding back to after my breakup and after my conversation with that pastor, I decided to revisit this list and to make it current to now as a God-fearing woman seeking God-fearing man and husband, I I uh, took the time to do that and I would encourage all of my singles out there to do likewise. But would you believe me if I told you that uh, once Rick and I had been dating for some time, I pulled out that list and Rick satisfied every bullet, which was two columns, single spaced, front and back, size 12 font. Yes, I got very specific, but we serve a very big and mighty God. So uh, just to encourage you with that. And I don't want to come across shallow either, but (laughs) I really, I put very specific qualities. Like I wanted a man of prayer. I wanted a man who would be able to worship. I wanted a man who would lead my home with God's word, who would want to do Bible studies, who would be a family man, who would be okay to cry, who would, you know, be willing to serve, who would be humble. And uh, I'm so grateful that the Lord brought me Rick. And, uh, you know, my life would not be what it is, and I would not be the woman that I am if I hadn't waited for what was good and perfect for me. And this is only a work that God can do. And so my prayer for the singles out there is that you would wait for the perfect gift God has for you. And and for me, I got three gifts, even, you know, three gifts for the price of one. So I was triply blessed and uh, to not compromise And then in scripture, you know, we're told, do not be unequally yoked. Light has no business with darkness. And this might be hard to digest for for some, uh, but no, I say this with all the love and all of the compassion and all of the urgency that I can muster is, you know, end a relationship that is not a God-honoring one with a relationship that is not with someone who's of light. If you acknowledge that you are of the light, you cannot be in a relationship with someone who's in darkness. I would say recommit your heart to Christ, confess compromises, and surround yourself with godly people that will bear you up and carry you in brokenness and healing because from experience, it is very hard, and especially when your emotions are involved. And I would also say for those that have lost their purity, uh, you know, that was me. Uh, God is gracious and merciful. Today is the day for salvation and repentance. And you don't have to wear those chains anymore. It's never too late to stop, confess, and seek God's help to make things right. And uh, I'll close with a very favorite uh, verse is 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says that, If there's anyone in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things become new. So uh, I would just encourage you with that. And back to the second part is convictions for the gospel. I have a lot of convictions here. But I'll say that the Bible is very clear. We can never do or be good enough 
everyone falls short of God's standard, which is perfection because he's perfect. Going to church or giving to the poor are good actions, but apart from Christ, they're just actions and they cannot get us into heaven. No one knows when their last hour is. The bad news is that if we've broken one of God's commandments or rules, that we are worthy of punishment and his price is hell. And so that's the bad news. But the good news is that God sent his one and only begotten son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And that's John 3.16 in case you don't know it. And so that's the gospel that we've received and, and the conviction around it is that we're all commanded once we've received it and understood it to preach it, to share it, to proclaim it, to profess it to anyone, anywhere, at any time, and to not do so is sin. For those that haven't shared or have been scared, it starts in your home. Start with your parents, start with your siblings, start with your spouse, start in your neighborhood, start in your work, and, you know, just go from there. And God is faithful to to give you the right words Husband, would you share your convictions on the topic of marriage and the gospel? Close us out. Oh my. I don't know if I could add any more to what you just said. I just for marriage, I've been married a couple times and, and twice. Twice. And and again, I, I never wanted it to be that way, but uh, you know, learning from that, you know, for people that are considering divorce, I just want to just for you to really search your hearts and your faith and if you believe in Christ or if you don't. But marriage is a picture of, of Christ and, and the church. You know, it talks about that in Ephesians uh, 5. And, and uh, you know, God also said that it's not good for man to be alone, that he would create a helper suitable to us. And also, you know, he says that not, let no man separate what God has joined together. And so, uh, again, I, I never thought it would happen to me, but it did. And, and divorce is, is, is so, uh, you know, the enemy tries to kill, destroy, to separate, uh, to divide. And uh, he's lurking, and, and he wants to break up the family. And one thing that I would just jump in is, even if someone has grounds for divorce which you did, what would you say to that person? Yeah. Uh, forgiveness is what you want to extend to that person, but obviously extending forgiveness is, is a difficult thing. It's something that is not just done one time. It's, it's multiple times. But it's really having a different mindset and a mindset of, of what Christ did for us on the cross is, is what I can say and and really looking and, and seeing that deeply and realizing what Christ did for us on the cross the, the blood that was shed for our sins to be forgiven the sacrifice the those things are crucial you know because God's called us to die to ourselves and to live for for others, uh, or to look at others as more as we are, and so uh, yeah, that, that's what I would say about that and about the gospel. The gospel didn't really start uh, signifying anything to me until I started really sharing the gospel, uh, talking with people about it, and and actually living it. And that's probably my biggest conviction. It's it's not easy for me to go up to people and talk to them and and start talking to them about Jesus. But I've learned to do the things that are uncomfortable in my life and allowing the Holy Spirit to uh, to use me and to speak through me. And and after I've I do it, it's like a it's like a wow moment. It, it's indescribable. It's it, it's an I don't want to say it's an experience. It's definitely brought those scriptures, uh, the Matthew twenty eight eighteen through twenty. You know, to make disciples of all nations, teaching them and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But I really like 
towards the end where it says that, and lo and behold, uh, I am with you always, even to the ends of, of the age or the earth. And so that's what brings more comfort to me, that I know that I'm not doing it on my own, that it's uh, God's Holy Spirit that uses me and that gives me the words to say it. And so, uh, and so I, I keep doing it. You know, my conviction is is I do it even though I, uh, not that I have to or, you know, he commands us to do it, but... You're not doing it to earn anything. No. You're doing it because you love him and because he loves you. Right, right. And I want to be used by God because God can use anybody. And, and, so, uh, <laughs> and so that's why I want to be used by God. And I want him to use me in all my imperfections because I'm not perfect in any way. And, and I know that I can have a marriage. The marriage that I'm having now and the things that I'm doing now, I, I couldn't even imagine these things years and years ago. And so I'm, I'm grateful for grace. I'm grateful for the power that is in the gospel that really does change lives. And so, and marriages. And marriages. Amen. Be sure to follow on Instagram at The Marriage Project Co. or check out the website www.themarriageproject.co to see all the photos that accompany each testimony behind each matrimony. And be sure to subscribe for the community newsletter to get each episode sent directly to your inbox.